Today's episode comes to you from Osable Forks, New York, where we visit with Becca Burke of the Meadow Farmstead. She's managed a diversified vegetable farm and CSA for the last few years on the Vermont side of Lake Champlain, but finally landed some growing space of her own over in New York. She hit the ground running, and I visited with her at the tail end of the first season on this new farm. We discussed strategic investments, lessons learned from other farms to set this new garden up right from the start, and she shares how she's striving to provide affordable food for her community. I'm Becca, and I own and operate the Meadow Farmstead in Osable Forks. We're growing on about three quarters of an acre and focus on mixed vegetables, and we have a small CSA and supply wholesale. This is where we're going to put our workshop wash pack, but it needs a lot of work, so we're working on jacking it up and leveling it right now. Oh, holy moly. Yeah, and then we're going to pour some concrete in there. And That's hopefully, yeah, it's a great space. It's just like, it's very old. Yeah. 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 <laughs> a lot of farms have old, old barns. Yeah, so we inherited the car. Oh, wow, look at that. <laughs> Farm vehicle, huh? Yeah. Mustang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so none of, the barn was here and then none of this was here. Yeah. Um, this was like an old hay field a really long time ago. I guess they grew potatoes up here. So they picked a lot of rocks for us, <laughs> which is great. Um, we dug power and water from the house. So we have a power box here and uh -huh. then we have water to the greenhouse. And that's how we're getting water up to the field from a gas pump from that little tank. There's a two inch line buried like from the basement yeah. all the way up to here. And this is your first season, right? This is our first season, yeah. You moved on last fall, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I finished up at Shaky Ground in February, okay. and we had already kind of started putting things into motion here. We plowed everything and cover cropped last fall, so the fields were like kind of laid out. <laughs> Start to break up the grass. Yeah, yeah, and pick rocks. Mm -hmm. And then the greenhouse we built, we started building it in November, and we didn't finish it until the spring. Our first stop is into the brand new greenhouse. And the first words out of my mouth was, well, this looks beautiful. Thank you. We just divided it for a little bit of season extension because we don't have any tunnel space. Yeah. And then this is like where we cured everything. And these shouldn't still be in here, but they are. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty simple. I had like some fans on them and then just the shade cloth. Did you add any heat or close the sides in here too or no? Cause you've got greens in here. I close the sides at night, mostly for animal protection. And then we do have heat that I have set right now for like 39, just so nothing freezes until I get this stuff out of here. Cause I still have onions over here too. Uh -huh. I'd say two nights ago was probably the first good frost though. That was basically what there was to see at the greenhouse. So we stepped on back out for a field tour. So all of this area, we let grow wild all year. Mm -hmm. It's really beautiful with all the wildflowers. And then we put this deer fence around the entire growing space, mm. which actually worked really well. I think one deer got in last week, <laughs> but I think it was a baby and it maybe got stuck and lost. It was <laughs> tiny little hooves. They munched the strawberries, so, but. So it's been effective then for you. 
Yeah, absolutely. Have you seen deer around a lot this season? Oh yeah, all the time. Like that's why I close the greenhouse mostly. So I'm worried about them going in there. Every morning we come up, they're all out here. Yeah, and then daily there's just 50 plus up on that hillside. The deer fence she's using is a 3D electric fence. You can see a picture of it on our website. Yeah, it's really great and it was very affordable. Yeah, it seems to be working. They walk right by it. One time I was mowing and there was a couple just right outside the fence just watching me. <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't come in. Something about the mower, I guess. Oh, like, yeah. Susan, I don't know. This is garlic to be. So has it been a weeding nightmare coming straight out of sod? It actually hasn't been terrible. Um, granted, we're so small that I've been able to, for the most part, stay on top of it. Yep. Where we had the most problems was over here, it gets really wet. And with the summer that we had, mm -hmm. I just couldn't weed it. So the onions were drowning in water and weeds. But now it's under a tarp. Erase the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Cover that up. We'll get it later. What's your growing space here this year? This year we were half acre with all of these plots, and then that plot out there we added halfway through the season for some fall crops, and that brings it up to three quarters of an acre. It's 50% CSA, 50% wholesale right now. We ended up not doing a farmer's market or anything, which yeah. it's been great. <laughs> yeah. How many people are in your CSA? 20. Yep. Yeah. It's quite a bit to manage yeah Were you doing a CSA before yeah okay and it was a little bit bigger um, for the summer we started at 15 and then for the fall we went up to 20 so it's it's comfortable yeah yeah and then hoping to grow that next year we also opened an online store mm -hmm. so I haven't really launched it out into the public yet but I'm hoping next year I'll advertise a little bit more so that people that aren't in the CSA can order and come and pick up here it's mm -hmm. convenient how, how big was the CSA that you managed before I think the biggest it was was like 35. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so similar. Yeah, but we were doing a farmer's market when I was at Shaky Ground too, and mm -hmm. if I can figure out a way to gonna be? bring people here and it'd be one day a week <laughs> instead of that extra market, it'd <laughs> yep. be awesome. So we're putting up a high tunnel, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, and it's going right here. <laughs> I think we're gonna go with Connecticut Greenhouse. Okay. Have you seen those? I've seen them at a trade show, but not in person. Yeah, I don't. I think they're fairly new. Um, their pricing is really great. Their shipping is really affordable. Yeah. And they give a discount for Young Farmers Coalition. And yeah, there's a lot of like add-ons that they have that I really like. They have a baseboard system that's really good, and it comes with insect netting on the sidewalls. Yep. And then the like humidity controlled. Um, ridge vents, not a ridge vent, the a peak vent? gable vents, because yep. we won't have electricity up here. So it's either that or Rimmel, but the Rimmel ones are a little bit more expensive. Mm -hmm. it, you just it, built one last spring? Yeah, we rebuilt the end walls on it. Oh, gotcha. Which in one way is, the way we did it, it came out very beautiful, Yeah. very pretty to look at. Uh, but it took forever to build. Yeah. Um, we did it with, it had traditional framing and like T111 siding on it and the siding rotted off. So then we replaced it with uh, corrugated polycarbonate, like the wavy, the wavy style, mm -hmm. which worked fine and looks great, but 
it's just like a whole lot of screws to put in. Yeah. And if I was going to do it again, I think I'd do it like I've seen a lot of other growers do it with just greenhouse poly. So add add a sheet of plywood across the bottom to kind of give you that kneeboard to mount stuff to. And yeah. then do poly from there up. I think that would be a lot quicker to assemble. Okay. It'd still look okay. Okay. Or full polycarbonate end walls like the big panels. Yeah. Those were pretty easy on this. Still a lot of work though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I do appreciate having put in the effort when I did because I think it's going to be long lasting. Mm -hmm. And walking by it every day when it looks nice yeah. matters a it, lot. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> for me and for grandpa and yeah. you know, all the other customers, like, oh, your greenhouse looks so great. It's like we didn't even, we weren't really hardly utilizing it to its fullest potential. Yeah. We had mixed veg in there this year, just kind of grandma's personal garden Aww. mostly and a few tomatoes that didn't amount to much but yeah <laughs> it was a rough year for tomatoes it was just dark i think yeah i think that was i mean there may be something else in our soil because there's been tomatoes in there for such a long time oh, but, right um i saw a thing out of um from caleb goosen out of maine saying it and that was back in june that it was like the third cloudiest summer oh on record Oh, it was one of the most rainiest summers right. on record, so that correlates Yeah, that it just, we didn't have sunlight. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And all that rain, just like, I mean, all of my tomatoes were in the field, so mm. it was just blight immediately. And they were so diseased. How big's your labor crew here? It's me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and... Yeah, Kim and Jay have been a huge help. Um, they helped with, like, building the greenhouse and laying out the fields and moving tarps with me. Um, mm -hmm. But they're also running a farm, so they're busy. Oh, okay. Um, my partner's a teacher, so he's a big help over the summer when he has two months off work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, other than that, it's just me, and I'm still trying to figure out if I want to keep it that way or, like, right now I'm at a comfortable scale that I can manage it, but do I want to grow and have a crew or keep it the way it is? I'm not sure yet. Yeah, it's a balance. Yeah, I think it's been nice it just being me while I'm figuring things out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can get your systems established, figure out what it is that you like to do. Yeah. Where you could use a hand. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> How to manage stuff where you don't need hands. Yeah. It's tricky. I would love to work with somebody in some kind of collaboration or something. Yeah. We're pretty landlocked at this point. We can't really expand <laughs> from here. This nope. goes up, it's about 30 acres, so it goes up pretty far, but it's very wooded and wet. We actually dug a couple irrigation ponds back here that we're hoping to maybe use in the future. <laughs> I like the deer fence. Yeah, it's great. It's inspiring. We'll put a gate here, and then there's another gate there. I was very intentional about my layouts of having 20-foot roads, and mm -hmm. everything's kind of in a line, which is really nice. Are those things you've learned just from previous experiences? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> After working places where like every field is a different size and you pull out Rime and it's two feet too short or of course, yeah. the tarps all being different sizes, it was just always such a pain. So it's really nice to be able to design things with intention and know all of my tarps are the same size, all of my Rime is the same size, the fabric's the same size, everything's 100 feet long. It's just like standard and easy. Do you have a tractor or no? I do not. BCS? We just bought a BCS. So I'm still 
kind of figuring it out. Yeah. I'd love to have a tractor eventually. We have really awesome neighbors who own like a construction company in town. They do all the work at Whiteface, like digging water mm -hmm. lines and everything. So they're the ones that came over and did the initial plowing for us and pulled our rocks for us. Those all came out of the field. <laughs> Boulders. <laughs> so mostly hand tools then. What's your favorite hand tool? Hmm. Probably this scuffle hoe or the wheel hoe. Yeah, I got the Valley Oak wheel hoe. I like it. Good. How many years were you farming before finding this piece of land? Um, I was in Vermont for four years and maybe about a year before that of like internship and working on a couple other farms. And then before that, studying agriculture and farming at the university farm in California. Yeah. And that's actually where I met Kim. We were both at Chico State. And then she brought me here. Yeah. Well, it's a beautiful spot. Thank you. Yeah, we have some really great views and we're hoping to thin out some of these trees because mm. they shade the greenhouse and yeah. there's just some awful ones in there. <laughs> and we should have this amazing view of Whiteface. What is your biggest lessons learned from year one? Probably just to be patient, you know, like we were talking about before, like you can't have everything that you want right away. And it's hard going from farming at a place where you had all of your tools, you had all of your equipment, your infrastructure was in place, and then having none of that, something like a wheel hoe is a huge purchase, <laughs> but yeah, it takes time. It's buying that wheel hoe is a huge deal in the beginning of the season when I needed it, but if I needed it now, it wouldn't be as big of a deal. So yeah, yeah just being patient and knowing that things are going to fail and there's always next year. <laughs> Especially after this wet summer. Yeah. A lot of farmers are saying, I just want it to be next year. Yeah. Yeah. I I know I've been hearing so many people talk about how it's like been their hardest farming season yet. And I guess I just kind of feel lucky that this is our first season and we don't have an easier season to compare it to. So <laughs> yeah. it can only get better from here. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, we're really lucky too. Our soil is very sandy. It drains really well so we were a lot more fortunate than yeah. a lot of other people got a slight slope to work with got a slope we're up higher than everything else yeah. so really the only flooding that we had was in that field with the onions and now i know that that's a wet spot and i can plan so for that better on instagram like the whole farm's <laughs> underwater no it was one plot <laughs> that's a quarter of my growing space okay, <laughs> <laughs> no it really wasn't that bad but now I know, and that's a big thing too, is every every season that you spend on one piece of land, you know those little yeah, microclimates yep. better. And now I know that that's a wet spot and maybe don't put onions there. Yep. Wet there, shady over there. Mm -hmm. It's very sunny and sandy over here. It's a little more clay out there. Yeah, it's amazing that there can be so many variables in such a small space. Yeah. You have experience doing this sort of thing, but you, you essentially hit the reset button when you moved on here, started with nothing. How'd you decide what to invest in off the bat? And do you wish you had invested in something different than a wheel mm. home greenhouse? <laughs> um, the greenhouse was the first investment and I do not regret that whatsoever. And I came to that conclusion by never having a proper propagation space and always 
you know, being up at midnight trying to get this crappy heater to work and being worried that your spring transplants are going to die. So I just wanted to know that I had a space that was going to work. I could start my plants in there. I could cure things in there. So we don't have a ton of other space anywhere else. So that was, I don't know, I think a really good investment for me. Seems like it. Yeah, that was the biggest thing. And then I guess the other big investment I bought early on was tarps Mm -hmm. because I use a lot of them and yeah I guess just having that experience that I had in the past was like okay what was really hard and what would make it easier going in with nothing irrigation was a big investment as well yeah was it really dry (laughs) over here in May and June oh yeah yeah (laughs) I didn't have water then actually so we were carting up 55 gallon barrels in the backs of our trucks with a little like pond pump with a hose and watering in our (laughs) strawberries and our early spring transplants. Yes. So then once I invested in irrigation and got it set up, I never used it. (laughs) I did the same thing. Yeah. But now I have it and turned it on once and then, uh, then it rained. Yeah. And then it didn't stop raining. So what are you looking forward to next year? Starting again, (laughs) having a blank slate, um, knowing the land better and, really excited about putting up a high tunnel and being able to have an enclosed space and have some winter production. I don't Mm. know if we'll go year round, but at least having that security. Yeah. I really miss tunnel growing. Everything grows so nice in a tunnel. How many tunnels were at shaky ground? They had three and they were really, not really small. They were about the size of the greenhouse. So smaller than you know, the ones they usually mm-hmm. see. So having that one, I'll almost be at the planting space that I was there. And that felt really comfortable. So who knows, maybe next we'll be, put one over here. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, so I'm really excited to like, once this is all put to rest, to be able to, you know, look at the spreadsheets and plan for next year. Right. You've got some spots like here and here that are still grass. Is that for a particular reason? access okay yeah i like just being able to drive around everything be able to pull my truck in here get to the compost get to that plot and they're wide enough that i can make the turns yeah and then that there's a boulder there (laughs) (laughs) that might be ledge so it's not going anywhere yeah maybe if we end up with a tractor one day we can fill in this space and have more growing space but i really like And that goes back to experience of other places where there was permanent fencing and I couldn't even get like a walk behind tractor in some places. (laughs) So I really wanted to be able to access everything, have room to move tarps, have room to move remay. That's a good point too. Just having a flat lawn space where you can stretch stuff out and roll it up, not Mm -hmm. on your beds. Yeah. Yeah. Or have space to drive your truck in with your 55 gallon barrel of water yeah and sides of it and yeah yeah it's really great for harvesting as well like we had our winter squash year and being able to drive up the row because we're not driving in the fields at all Mm -hmm. being able to drive up and harvest and then same thing when if we ever get our cabbages out (laughs) to be able to drive over there right less driving very strategic 
who knows? You'll come back next year and it'll all be filled yeah. in. But. <laughs> I wanted the space. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we initially designed it, we very much so were designing around boulders that we could see. Mm-hmm. So we were like, this is a boulder. It can be a road. And there was one over here as well. And then our neighbor, Elliot, thank you so much, Elliot, came over and was just like, oh, I'll get that. I'll get that. <laughs> Pulled all of them out. So, yeah, it's easy to like look at a piece of land and think that you have to just work with that but you really can make changes it'll work for you it may just involve an excavator (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely get yourself an elliot yeah yeah neighbors with equipment yeah so amazing he also leveled where our greenhouse is because that was not flat either yeah it's pretty quiet up here too is there much traffic on that road or no there's not really no and most of our neighbors are pretty quiet. They're mostly older. Linda across the street, she actually used to own this property. And my partner lived in the little house down there. And he was here for five years before he convinced her to sell it to him. <laughs> so thank you, Linda, as well. <laughs> is she excited to see it in production? I think she is because she remembers this being like a working horse farm and she's really excited to see it being put to use. She didn't want to sell it because she was afraid that somebody was just going to, you know, build some houses up here. She's got to look at it. We were worried that she was not going to be happy about her view of the greenhouse, but she's really excited that it's just getting used. Great. Yeah. During the summer, she can't see us quite as much, but now that all those leaves are down, feel so exposed (laughs) (laughs) are there many other vegetable farms around here that would be potential competition or no there's not a ton um you know there's wild work and um that as far as like bigger ones there's north point up in plattsburgh um juniper hill yeah they're pretty close and tangle root farm in essex those are kind of the main ones and I mean, I'm, I know all of them, and everybody's been really friendly. Cool. So there's definitely less than in Vermont, and it is different. The markets are quite different. But I think there's not a CSA, at least, that serves, like, this immediate area. Yeah. It, so people previously would have to drive to Essex or to one of the pickup locations in, like, Plattsburgh or Saranac Lake. Yeah. So people like that. It's, like, it's close and it's local. Yeah. What does sustainable farming mean to you? Hmm. Um, Something that makes sense that I can keep coming back to every year. I'm still trying to figure out what the balance is between, you know, it's important for me to grow food that's affordable. I want to grow food that I would be able to afford if I was buying it, but I also want to be able to pay myself. So trying to find that balance. And, of course, just taking care of this land in a responsible way. Yep. Yeah. What do you do for fun? How do you, how do you turn off work that doesn't stop and mm-hmm. relax a little bit? Um, I learned to love winter. I got into skiing a couple years ago, and White Face is 15 minutes up the road, and it's an amazing local mountain, and... Yeah, it turns out I love skiing, and hopefully we have a wet winter and we can get into the backcountry a little bit more. I'm excited about that. Um, 
during the growing season, I like to read a lot. And for a long time, I was only reading farming books and it would take me forever to get through a book. And then I realized that I needed to do something different. So I like to read like a totally irrelevant fiction novels. And that's like something to turn off my brain from everything else. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's important. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's so funny because yeah, I kept reading these farming books and there's great information in there, but I was like, oh my gosh, I never finish a book anymore. And I was like, well, read something else. <laughs> Do something else with your time. Brain, is that enough agriculture enough sometimes? Enough farming. Yeah. yeah. Farming's fun too, though. I like to do that for fun. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, you have to like it if you're going to keep doing it. Yeah, it's my long-term plan to be a full-time farmer. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> Yeah. <clears throat> well, this is great. I'm glad I stopped in. Thanks for showing me around. <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming. I'm Andy Chamberlain, and that was The Farmer's Share. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Becca Burke of The Meadow Farmstead. You can follow her farm journeys on Instagram at The Meadow Farmstead or visit her website, themeadowfarmstead.com. This show has been awarded a grant offered by the USDA Specialty Crop Block Program from the Vermont Agency of Agriculture, Food, and Markets. This funding will help cover some of my time and travel in order to produce more episodes of this podcast for the next two and a half years. The USDA Agricultural Marketing Service supports projects that address the needs of U.S. specialty crop growers and strengthen local and regional food systems. I have no doubt that this podcast will meet those needs and help educate growers to support the industry. The Farmer's Share is also supported by the Vermont Vegetable and Berry Growers Association and the Ag Engineering Program of the University of Vermont Extension. If you enjoy the show and want to help support its programming, you can make a one-time donation or reoccurring donation on our website by visiting thefarmershare.com support. On our website, you can listen to previous interviews or see photos, videos, or any relevant links discussed from the conversation. If you don't want to miss out on the next episode, enter your email address on our website and you'll get a note in your inbox when the next one comes out. The Farmer's Share has a YouTube channel with videos from several of the farm visits. We're also on Instagram, and that's where you can be reminded about the latest episode or see photos from the visit. Lastly, if you're enjoying the show, I'd love it if you could write a review. Honestly, there's only 13 ratings and two reviews on my podcast, and I know a whole lot more people listen to the show, so I'd love it if you could leave a little note in Apple Podcasts. In the app, just click on the show, scroll down to the bottom, and there you can leave five stars and a comment to help encourage new listeners to tune in. I'd also encourage you to share this episode with other grower friends or crew if you think it'd be inspiring for them. Thanks for listening.